This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 22. Try, try again. Welcome back, everybody. Ooh. Hey. This was, I guess, well, this is episode two in, in season two? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Coming back from the, the new time travel stuff, or the uh, the new alternate reality stuff. Yeah, and, and of course, we're, we're right into that, right at the beginning here with, uh, with Henry looking at, uh, you know, seeing the video. I know I'm jumping forward a little bit, but that seems to be, in, in large arc terms, that, yeah, that's the, the significant. Yeah, the big thing here is actually it's funny the the uh, it's it's technically I suppose the B story, but really like the big stuff to me is the B story and the A story is <laughs> is Henry seeing the video of Beverly planting the device in. It's like watching an episode of House. You really don't care what the <laughs> diagnosis is. You yeah. just want to see how House is going to screw up his relationships. <laughs> that's yeah, a that's really good analogy. I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, you know, I just know it's it's just not lupus and we're moving on. <laughs> and who's he gonna insult this week? <laughs> yeah. Poor house. Poor house listening. <laughs> Poor everybody else. I have a crush on house, that's why. Yeah, um but yeah, he um he saw the uh there's the first suspicions of Beverly. Yeah, which is yeah. If only she had gotten a little bit farther in her in her uh spewing everything that's happening to everyone else you know we'd have probably heard uh about her her murder i but. still think it's really creepy that not only is she like the whole town psychologist which is just messed up but she's also like kevin's personal therapist i mean i know he had like other therapists like uh that guy who died last episode but um the exploding chili dog guy or whatever it was <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even have a name. He's just uh, exploding. Just generic occupational hypnotherapist guy. Ah, oh, crap. What was his name? <laughs> Kevin... I like exploding chili guy. That Kevin was better. Kwong. That yeah. was his name. Kevin wow, Kwong. There you go. Um, I still like exploding chili guy. <laughs> <laughs> ECG. Or... But I mean, how messed up is that? ECG. <laughs> He's an ECG. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting rid of Kevin. Oh. He's an ECG. <laughs> oh no, it's He's terrible. He's a no good G. <laughs> wow. He was working at G. That's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's messed up that Beverly would be the therapist to everybody in the town, and they all know each other, and they all know her, and she has. Like, it's just that's wrong, and then. I don't know. And, I, and then she also does the douchey maneuver of of sending out his last letters before he's even dead. Fargo's oh. letters. He's like, you know, give him, you know, send out these emails. Yeah, if you get everybody. an email, I already did. Great. <laughs> I don't know. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, well, it was really funny, but are, it's like, wow, g- great confidence in your team there, Beverly. <laughs> Are you really like questioning Beverly sending out the emails from Fargo when she like murders somebody? Exactly, like she murders somebody and and indirectly murders Kim. And, and I, I just thought that maybe it was because she's you know, like 
she's she's one of those uh, clock out people, and she's like, man, they told me this was only going to take four hours. <laughs> they were going to nuke his ass. I got to get out of here. I got like a, a, I got I got a like an early dinner. I got a thing. I got to get to and a massage. So and I got to go <laughs> skeep up with a senator. So she I got to get like, out of here. She seems like someone who would have a massage on her schedule. At the end of the last one, we had that like, uh, you know, Palpatine moment, right? Uh, <laughs> that guy is so creepy. What Was he from uh, Stargate SG-1? Remember the senator? Wasn't he in Stargate? He had some. He was that senator, guy. He, he played the one of the Tolans. Yeah, and oh um, yeah, you're right. And Carter, when she yeah. when she gets the the symbiote or whatever, she gets the memories of someone who had a romance with him. Isn't that right? I think you're uh, right. No, that was no, that no. was uh, that was Martuf. Oh right. And, uh, oh she, right. She had Jolin. This was just the one that, like, in the first season, the Tolan like crashed somewhere and they saved him. And his leader was all like, well, you know, our technology is so much better than yours. Wait, let me guess. He was a douche. Yeah, he, he was like second lieutenant of Captain Douche. A Tolan was a douche, really? <laughs> can you imagine. There's only one that's yeah. half douche. <laughs> exactly. Who, Jacob? Actually, uh, speaking yeah. of Stargate, did you notice the other crossover there? We had uh, the, the actor playing the military guy, uh, General Chode. Uh, oh, right. Uh, Colonel Chode. Lionel Pendergast. <laughs> General Chode. You know, From the Odyssey. It's just not... Oh, yeah, you're right. It's just not it, fair, though, because you can't really talk about... It's T-S-O-O-D. <laughs> Chode. <laughs> you can't. He's Nordic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you can't really... You can't really consider it a, a Stargate crossover, because in that case, everything is a Stargate crossover. Well, yeah. Because Stargate <laughs> ran it like... in Vancouver? Yes. Then everybody's the same cast. <laughs> well, but, I mean, not even that. It's like... Yeah, there's a similar cast up there, but then Stargate ran like 795 episodes in <laughs> all in Vancouver, you know? So they Ooh, got, yeah. but among that time, they got everybody, you know? If there was anybody, a working actor in Vancouver, in the 50 years in which they made Stargate episodes, they probably <laughs> were in one, you know? Right, right. <laughs> I mean, how Lacey is in one. You know? That's true. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. Zane. Yeah, I mean, seriously. <laughs> Chief from Battlestar. Everybody's in one. Uh, eight from Battlestar. Like uh, one of our friends. Everybody from Battlestar. One of our friends suggested, and I've been tempted to do it. You know how you know how when you go to see somebody at a at a convention, they'll have like ten different pictures of them out, or maybe four or five <laughs> Bring pictures. Bring one of them. Like no, no, no. Place. The thing is, is usually there will be like two or three of them on the hit show that they were on, the big one, right? And then and then there will be a couple of others, and then there's one a relatively obscure one, right? And it's almost always Stargate, because everybody's right. been in Stargate. So if they're kind of well-known for something else, and they were in Stargate, which, let's face it, they were, right? Then there will be that one over in the corner. And what he suggested was that we should collect the photos of everybody that's famous in other shows in Stargate. Right. You don't get them autographed. So instead of having autographed pictures of, like, you know, people from Star Trek and people from Babylon 5 and people from, uh, you know, it's all those people. It's like, like Hi, I'm Grace Park and I played recruit number three on Stargate SG-1. <laughs> you laugh. Back in 1994. I, I think yeah. she keeps a photo. One of her photos is a Stargate photo. On her table, yeah, well, I she think. was in that one. Yeah, episode. no, yeah. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing. So, yeah, you'd have like Grace Park from Stargate and then you pandering. Have, yeah, yeah, you know, pandering. everybody would be great, you know. <laughs> It'd be cool. 
I think it's a great idea, to be honest. I just, I'm just too cheap to do it. Here's a picture of me playing, you know, female breeding X5 from Dark Angel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Grace Park. (laughs) (laughs) Biatch. Here's me playing Mini Mart owner in (laughs) X-Files. But no, I mean... Also, that sounded kind of racist. I didn't mean that at all. I was, speaking, oh. I was speaking a random occupation. I didn't even think of that. No, I was speaking random. Want, want. Also, <laughs> this is the first. Uh, uh, speaking of Mini Mart, this is the first uh, Larry episode. Larry's is, such a tool. What does Larry have to do with Mini Mart? I always picture that that's really what Larry should be doing. Larry should be a clerk. Mm. He is a clerk. Well, yeah. Like, where, like wearing the, boobie, the boobies uniform? Yeah. Movie. Yeah, you know, or yeah. You know, he'd be behind the counter at the quick stop, but not funny. Right. <laughs> you know? I my favorite Larry episode is the one where uh Fargo's car kidnaps them. He'd be the other guy at RST video. <laughs> you know, the one that nobody knows. Right. The one who actually works there. The guy that was supposed to be there today. Exactly. Exactly. It'd be, he'd yeah. be that guy. Larry right. is a complete tool. He is. He's a great addition to the show, though. Agreed. Yeah, got to hate on someone. That's right. Plus, it, it, I love the idea of having this, like, early on, they, they, they do this relatively funny thing of having, like, a, I don't know, having Fargo have an arch nemesis. This guy that's just not important yet. He right? becomes important, though. Yeah, that's agreed. what's awesome. And I, I think that might be somewhat why, because they bring in, they, they have this funny storyline of let's have the little guy have an arch nemesis, and it'll be funny. And I like how it's ultimately uh, an ineffectual arch nemesis, too. Oh, it's yeah. just like... Because he never really know, does anything. Exactly. Never gets anything accomplished. They're, I mean, and it's not that Fargo is necessarily like against him evil kind of thing. Like, he doesn't like him. But, I mean... You know, it's kind of very small world, <laughs> <laughs> small world nemesis. You know what I mean? Agreed. And He's like, ha ha, I had the last cup of coffee out of the coffee pot. <laughs> and I didn't refill it. I got the last. It's like Audrey Evil. I donated to a charity that you didn't explicitly say you wanted me to go to. <laughs> evil Audra. <laughs> nice. And so true. You know, the thing I... This episode raises a lot of really deep questions for me, such as, how do you go to the bathroom if you're in a bubble like that? Or, you know... Oh, and we're back to the urine sloshing bubble again. (laughs) I think they pointed out that you can't. I know, I know, but... I really have to go to the bathroom. (laughs) But how long was he in? I mean, he was in that bubble way too long to not have uh, About five hours. Five hours. Yeah. You could hold it. I get. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Bad. I suppose. I don't think I could. If but. you were anybody but me, you could hold it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can. I got like two hours max. Chuck's so, got like two minutes max. Says Mister Pissbag. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> three hundred seconds. I'm good for. <laughs> On that note, I'll be right back. <laughs> Pretty much, you laugh. Man, I had this horrible experience. He's like, experience. I should have eaten those bean burritos. <laughs> yeah, really. It was getting pretty noxious in there. Well, what about the air? I don't know. It might have air. It might have permeated it. You never know. Yeah, it, it's that whole, you know, sonic sonic uh, stuff got through it. It's the... Uh, oh, yeah. Good point. 
You know, it's like, it's like the Stargate when, when they went through, went, went to that water thing in Russia. It's like, you know, the water's on the other side, but it's not going to push through because it knows better than that. <laughs> it knows better. <laughs> that was their explanation. <laughs> what was it? Oh, what? must be smart. Because <laughs> it can see this expression on General Hammond's face and it doesn't want to mess with that. Water flowing through the Stargate, you do not have a go. <laughs> it was held back by... Uh, uh, by cowardice, uh, no, by by the horrible <laughs> accent <Yeah>. of Marina Sirtis. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Big trouble for a Moosehead Squirrel. <laughs> what was it though? What what was I thinking of? That where you it had a there was a personal f- uh, force field that was kinetic based, but it it only stopped fast moving items. So the idea, uh, what, yeah, that was an SG one. Was it? It was. Yeah. It was the. Uh, the it was the Kulaold's, uh personal shield. Super Tupa. Right. Yeah. Like, the uh, personal shield was uh, what was it? Inversely per, uh, powerful compared to kinetic energy or something yeah, like so that. Yeah. Like if somebody shot Super at you, it would, it would stop it. But <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So O'Neill fires at uh, at uh, Apophis, and you know it just bounces off, and Apophis does his little douchey grin goes ha 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 so then he just picks up a knife and chucks it at his hand and it goes right through (laughs) (laughs) whoops yeah i think i I had seen like six seasons of stargate before i realized that apophis was like a-p-o-p-h and not a-p-o-t-h Oh, Apothis? Yeah, I thought it was like, like Apothecary. Like Apothecary, Where yeah. you thought like he was going to sell like Apothis. drugs or something? Yeah. <laughs> Here you go, Juliet. Here's that thing that makes you seem dead. I don't know. SG-1's just like a, a kind of subtle play on the war on drugs. <laughs> Very subtle. A little too subtle for me. Yeah. But yeah, and this... Okay, so the other thing that's fun about this episode is that... I mean, it is Fargo-centric, even though Fargo doesn't really play a big role well, in it, you know? Well, and they're also kind of expanding his character to being the uh, the not-evil, kind of just incompetent comic relief tool. Tool. <laughs> <laughs> you can I'm trying to jam that all into one statement. <laughs> Fargo! I don't know. I mean... Yeah, it is cool that he's getting focused, even though he doesn't do much. Except he, in fact, he appears in his own focused episode surprisingly little. Uh, right. Almost all the action takes place away from him. You know, one thing <clears throat> that caught me about this was that we've talked a couple of times about the balance of humor and seriousness. And one of the things that always made Eureka kind of cool to me was the fact that it could go from like kind of funny and 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 fun to like holy crap in in just zero to 60 in no time flat yeah so yeah. like yeah like one moment it's funny fargo did this thing and haha he can't go to the bathroom and then like five minutes later it's like oh yeah and by the way it could destroy cities or the world and we might have to drop him in a hole and nuke him with a multi-megaton warhead. Yet another episode where we have to nuke Fargo. <laughs> I mean, holy, holy crap. That, they're not messing around in Eureka. I mean, yeah, it's funny and all, but when things go bad in Eureka, they go really bad. It was kind of funny when uh, Nathan Stark was down there and he's like, Dr. Stark, are you smiling? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, there, there is a lot of, uh, of goodness in Stark this time around. Uh, it's like we're starting to see the awesome Stark emerge. It's true. It's true. With, with like, you know, like, I've swung a lot of things that would surprise you, Sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> <Is it even laughs> <mean? laughs> 
I think we all know what it means. <laughs> I, I, it's like now that he's the burden of command is lifted from him, he can kind of... Uh, he's kind of like a decent guy now. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't just have to be I'm serious and douchey all the time. I can kind of relax. And uh, and this is a couple... There's a couple points in this episode, especially at the end. You know, he's like, you know, good job, Carter. Well, didn't even leave a bad taste in my mouth. Wait for <laughs> wait, it. Wait for it. <laughs> there it is. Yep, there it is. <laughs> That was awesome. That was that was entertaining as hell. It's a good point, though. And and then we see Allison stepping into the role, which it was funny when we first started the rewatch. I had forgotten that Nathan Stark is, you know, ahead of GD for quite a while before Allison steps in. And it was weird because I, I guess when we get the uh, the the timeline shift and everything in season four, where um, I mean, I know people have, may have seen it, but. Uh, basically, Allison is not is no longer head of GD. I remember thinking, "Wow, I can't imagine GD without Allison in charge." So it, it's cool to see her, you know, stepping into it for the first time, and um, and Carter saying that he likes the new her. And I, well, and I, I think it's a good episode too because it's not just as she takes over and status quo is maintained. It's right. that she has to make a very critical decision, and she backed the decision and. Uh, you know, and, and saved a life because of it. Well, like Stark said, Stark actually told her, I think you handled this better than I would have. You know? You know what I would have handled better? The font on that name tag. <laughs> <laughs> or the nameplate. That's okay. We're still using Papyrus for the uh, credits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, fun. we got Bear McCreary in. You know, what more do you want? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, that's a <laughs> the fair The music trade. comes first, then we'll fix the fonts, damn it. <laughs> oh, by the way, this is the beginning of the... Um, I know we don't have copyright, so I'll just beatbox it. I don't think anybody's going to sue us for... Which I love. Ironically, you know, there's actually no difference between you singing it and us playing it. <laughs> well, legally. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I really, yeah, I really went, don't think they're going to sue us his for that. Went, dun, 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 dun. And mine went. Nice argument. Yeah. That one didn't work either. <laughs> I love all the fun things people come up with for excuses for why it's okay for them to use copyrighted music, you know? God. No, really, I only use less than 20 seconds of it. That's fine. Or I used it, but it was for reviewing purposes. Yeah. For reviewing purposes. You know, or educational purposes. That cool music in my bump, I like it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) But it's cool. Everyone knows it as ours now. It's advertising, man. (laughs) I shouldn't go this way. No, but okay. So back to the episode. Seriously, though, the episode this this episode is very, I think, indicative of the rest of the season. Like a lot of the season is like this episode. Yeah, that it it can it can take that serious tone, but it's it's throughout the whole thing. It's still having fun and. It has an A and a B story, almost every single one. And in every single episode, we have one story that is pushing forward the characters and another story which is pushing forward the arc, sometimes both. Yeah. And every single one, there aren't any, like, in this one, there aren't any, like, I don't remember any, like, standalone episodes. It's like, uh, I think that Eureka, one of the things Eureka might, in hindsight, be able to say that they did well, uh, is that they managed to create 
season arcs that didn't feel as as lockstep as most season arcs that we've seen. Like, I mean, if you think about, you know, the famous Deep Space Nine, you know, that did started doing long arcs. Once you got into a long arc in Deep Space Nine, it felt like the stories were about nothing but the long arc. And then, right. and and in Battlestar Galactica, when we finally got into uh, when when the season started taking some strong direction at the end, you know, because I guess they knew they were wrapping up those those directions felt very like forced, like everything was going that way. Character development took a sec, you know, a, a backseat to it and everything. And in Eureka of all of all shows, they seem to have really nailed having these season arcs that go places and yet still developing the characters and still having episodes that didn't feel like they were just locked in into the, the pattern, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's, it's, you know what, what's funny is when I watch this, I can never, I've only ever watched these episodes once before, but I can never remember how the episode ends. (laughs) That's awesome. And, and actually, that's good because I know the over arc. I, I, I remember what happens in the character arcs. Right. You right. know, from season one to, to current. And I know where those relationships go. But it's kind of cool being not knowing how the episode itself ends because then it still has that kind of first watch feel to it. And, and you know, you can appreciate the overarching, you know, progression of the characters while still you know, enjoying the individual episode as kind of, you know, the mystery of, oh, how are they going to solve this? Yeah, you're right. I, th- I think they've hit a really good balance on that. You're absolutely right. I remember that Fargo survived, and I remember, you right, know, right. what happened with Henry and everything, <laughs> but I didn't remember how until it was getting ready to happen. Yeah, you know? and then yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Right, and if, it, and if it was like the focus of the show was like specifically, here's how we solve all these problems, then as soon as you saw the, the sonic fishing rod at the start of the episode, you would have gone, oh, that's, the, that's how they figure out the end of the, that's how they figure out the problem at the end of the episode. But I didn't, I didn't clue into that. Maybe it's just because I'm slow. But, you I didn't know, either, man, so we're both I, slow. I, I get to the end and, you know, the, the guy brings out the fishing rod. I'm like, oh, I remember what they did now. Like three seconds I before see what you did Fargo there. through the heart. <laughs> I love too how uh how they quickly decide that Joe is the one that's gonna do it. She's like, I have the marks, and he's like, You're right, you're right, you're right. And then when she gets ready to do it, he's like, Wait, wait, are you gonna in a bang? <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you mean when I'm ready or when you <laughs> She just does it. It's great. Yeah. No dicking around. There was one small thing too I was thinking about um Zoe. Death has never been so funny. Sorry. <laughs> Zoe uh, gets her driver's license or whatever. Her, that was her awesome. Yeah, and uh, I was thinking a couple episodes back when we see the kind of flash forward in the alternate, you know, might have been future. We see yeah. Zoe as the head of her class, and she's matured right. a lot, and and she's like has a car. Yeah, yeah, has a car, and she's turned into like a really cool young woman. And I think it was kind of neat, you know, having seen that in this episode to see her taking a step and and see Carter kind of reacting to it and you know he his memory of the that possible future is gone but we all know it right and it's kind of cool i always for some reason it always really makes me happy to see zoe transforming from this kind of like just rebellious angry teenager into this awesome you know she becomes like a full adult over the course of the show and by the you know current stuff yeah she's you know She's on par with everybody. It's just really cool. 
it's and, like it's just a little hint of what's to come. Yeah, it's interesting to me that I, I've always wondered if if uh, if Carter had kept his memories. Like you remember, before he lost his memory, he uh, he tried to give her his keys to go drive somewhere because he was used to her driving. Right. So. Right. So now, of course, he's kind of reset to where he is like, oh, crap. Skeptical you know, he and yeah, he doesn't, and- yeah, he doesn't want it to have. And you assume he was that way the first time around. And, and you know, you kind of have to imagine that one of the reasons that she's as good at, 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 as she was at the end of, you know, at the previous, in the previous universe or whatever uh, timeline was because of the way he, you know, he and she and he interacted about this. So if he had just assumed that she was going to be great at it, she might not have been. You know, right? I know. Well, I, I, yeah, you're you're right. It's like he would have just taken all those assumptions, and yeah, actually, probably wouldn't have been as good of a parent to her because he was just like, "Oh, you've already done this. You know what you're doing." Oh, and, yeah. and it would seem like he's being distant. Right. And actually, in that one episode where he does have those memories, he's doing that. He's making assumption, yeah. assumptions about people that aren't and working, taking yeah. things for granted that he hasn't earned yet. And I think that that would have ultimately screwed up his life more. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's a really good point. I wonder if that isn't kind of, it's not exactly the same thing, but a lot of people talk about birth order and how when parents have kids, they treat the very first kid that they have differently from subsequent kids that they have afterward. And it's not because they necessarily favor one or or something like that, but you just, you learn a lot of stuff the first time around. And then the second time around, they may not be quite as panicked about something or they're like, yeah, I understand, you know, this I know how this goes. And by necessity, you know, kids after the first get treated a little bit differently. And the same kind of thing would happen to her, except it would have been her twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of scary. I mean, I, I, and Carter is of all the things Carter is good at. Carter is not particularly good at that, at at figuring out, Hey, I need to redo this in a, in a way that works for this time around. You know what I'm saying? That's not a Carter kind of thing. He's such a straightforward and honest guy. I agree. You know, like stifling those, well, not stifling the memories, but trying to ignore the memories and not let on doesn't work well for him because he's a sharp guy, but he's such a direct guy and an honest guy that, it just goes against his nature to constantly be hiding something like that. Well, and it also goes against his nature to have to double guess everything because, you know, he's go- if he had those memories, he was going to come across situations where it would be similar to what he's already experienced. And he would then have to make the decision of, well, I know how this worked out in the long run this way. Would I make this same decision again, knowing how everything ultimately worked out? And, you know, he, he would go down that road of having to double guess everything. It's like, one of those time loop episodes of Star Trek. Well, it's like, you know, it's like, well, if we know that we know that we knew about this, then we can do this. And it's, it's, <laughs> wait, it, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, and it never quite works out. So I, I, I think also better that he doesn't have those memories. I, I, I was just going to say that. I actually agree. I, I suspect that Henry, not for good reasons, but but Henry did actually do him a favor uh, by removing those well, memories. If, I mean, it comes yeah. to that whole fate thing. It's like, if you know what exactly what's going to happen, then, uh, well, then one, you're not really living. You're just acting out. But what, Henry what said doing. It. And two, if you know that something's coming up that you can't avoid, then you drop into despair, which is kind of like the ultimate sin of existence, right? 
Yeah, except it's interesting because Henry says uh, we that that timeline is no longer going to happen. It's not guaranteed. In fact, probably will not happen because of the the very change of coming back and, you know, knowing about it. So, yeah, it's weird. I mean, you're right. Like, if you knew what was going to happen, that would have one effect on you. But but now it's almost even worse. Like. For Carter, it would have been worse knowing not what's going to happen, but what could have happened, and there's no guarantee will. Well said. Yep. Well said. I I think if I were Beverly and I were smarter, I would be worried when she says something like she says Henry's name and he ignores her and stalks off. Yeah, Henry. Um, he scares me when he's like that. Dark Henry is no fun. No kidding. Yeah, I, I really look forward to because I Henry, uh, you know, without spoiling everything, I will say that Henry kind of lost my faith and then regained it yeah. by the time we get to the current episodes, you know. So I, I think it's uh, pretty impressive. It yeah, says a it lot is. about him that he could regain it after what's coming. Yeah, yeah, it does. Well, Beverly is definitely evil, and in this, uh, she's she's the only real solid villain you know in the show she's a terrific villain too because she's you love to hate her well when we find out why you know much later on without spoiling it you know we find out later on what her motivations are yeah and even they are complex and interesting they're not what you'd think you know at all it's not just mustache twirling evil right it's it's (laughs) evil with a purpose absolutely (laughs) absolutely now y'all are picturing beverly with a mustache Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. It's <laughs> a bit creepy. Look, Beverly looking a little bit like Benicio del Toro or something. <laughs> Benicio del Beverly. <laughs> oh, my. Or like the uh, the peculiar pie man in the Care Bears. <laughs> yeah, that like tall purple hat and that curly mustache. There's a reference you don't hear very often. A Care Bear reference. What about uh, the evil guy from the Frosty the Snowman cartoon movie? Evil guy. The guy whose hat was magical. I don't remember that because I always hated Frosty. Oh, wow. No offense to Frosty <laughs> fans or whatever, but... <laughs> wow. You're like, yeah, Frosty! Yeah, screw fr- frack Frosty. I don't know what it was. I just... I never screw? liked Frosty. <laughs> screw, screw Frosty. Frosty? <laughs> <laughs> That's your stance on this. Screw Frosty. And I'm a big fan of, like, the Claymation Rudolph and some of the others, but I just did not like Frosty. Rudolph should have just kicked all those other reindeers' ass and moved on. <laughs> no kidding, man. He doesn't need them. I mean, holy crap. Yeah, we'll let you pull the sleigh yeah. since you're the only one that can do it. We That's treat right. you like crap How and about we won't I take apologize. Care of it and then you go, just screw yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> screw <Yep>. Blitzen? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Well, guys, it's time to wrap up. Um, you got anything to add at the end here, Audra? Uh, no, I would I would just kind of uh, add on to my last comment that, you know, as much as I complain about Beverly, she's really a pretty terrific villain because, um, you know, she may not be one of those complicated villains where you think, well, she's really got a good side or you sympathize. But still, you know, she's not she's not uh, one dimensional either. There's a lot going on and we will find out more about her history and and why she does the things that she does. Um, but I just think that she's great because, 
there's almost a bit of campiness, I think, in Beverly. Mm. Not not portrayed by her, but almost portrayed by the show. You know, just having right. her there and having her be so pure evil is almost campy in itself. And I kind of like that. So, um, but I, I fear, I would be fearing for myself if I were her because Henry is, you know, he, he can only bottle in what he's got going on for so long. What? Uh, I just think it's really interesting that we're, I mean, even two episodes into the season, we're starting to see the kind of roots of, uh, of these kind of character arcs uh, that, that spread out over the next few seasons. And, you know, initially right now watching, uh, you know, Allison and Carter kind of drift away from each other. It's, it's kind of really, uh, it's, it's fun following this uh, character arc along and it's kind of cool to see the, the seeds of, uh, of, of what's going to happen. Uh, uh, yeah. Great stuff. Well, everybody, we'll see you next week with another episode. Yay! From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate. 